Hi, this is Dr. Tony Cooper, and this is Life Without Baggage, Insights into Personal Wholeness for Spirit, Soul, and Body. I'm a psychologist in private practice. I treat adults. However, this is not a substitute for medication or counseling. If you're having thoughts of harming yourself or another person, or if this material triggers you, please contact your doctor or a mental health specialist to help you with your concerns. I'm continuing the series on looking at the names of God and ways that God meets us at our point of need. This episode, I'm looking at God as our gardener. And I take this from quite a few different places in the Bible. I'm going to talk today about the scriptural references that teach us about God as a gardener who looks after us tenderly and affectionately. What gardeners do. Now, since I don't garden, this is new information for me. This might be things you're already familiar with. Then the spiritual implications for God as our gardener, what makes us fruitful in our lives. And then I always share some free resources and a prayer of blessing. So let's look at God as our gardener. I'm going to start off with John chapter 15, verse 1, and I'm taking this from the complete Jewish Bible. I am the real vine, and my Father is the gardener. So that's where Jesus is talking. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, again from the complete Jewish Bible, Adonai, God, planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he put the person whom he had formed. And experts say that Eden, the Garden of Eden, means pleasure or delight. You might know also that throughout the Old Testament, Israel is portrayed as a garden that God planted and has taken care of. You can find that in Isaiah chapter 5, in Numbers chapter 24, and in Psalm verse 80, for examples. Also, there are five parables where Jesus uses the setting of a vineyard to express spiritual principles for us to understand. So one way that the Bible displays God, who he is, as tender and attentive in his care for us. So there are many pictures that the Bible gives us to help us understand who God is. And God as the gardener is just one of those. If this is the first podcast you've listened to, I have a whole series. And each of these different pictures or portrayals or names of God helps us understand another aspect of who God is and how he wants to meet us at our point of need. So I did a little research on what does a gardener do since I don't garden myself. From Google, I understand that a gardener has to design the garden in order to maximize the fruit that you can get from it. So the design would would consider the location and also the conditions, conditions of the soil, uh, weather conditions, altitude, all kinds of things that would influence how that design is unique to the setting. The New Bible Dictionary also tells us that a garden might need to be terraced so that there can be irrigation, that the gardener has to clear away the stones and plant a hedge around the garden in order to protect it from animals or thieves, 
Does that remind you of John chapter 10? That the soil has to be tilled in order to prepare it. And we see that in Mark chapter 4. Also that there's a vine that's planted to start a vineyard. And then as that vine grows, it has to be supported so that it can continue to grow. Oftentimes there's a watchtower built in a garden in order that the person who is tending the garden can sleep there and keep an eye on things. Again, more protection. And also that sometimes gardens were protection from the heat. So the gardener designs what the garden will look like, prepares it, gets things out of the way, and then there's daily maintenance. There's daily pruning where dead leaves are removed. There's daily cultivation. And many gardens were used back in Bible times to produce spices or grain or grapes for new wine and even oil if there are olives. So the goal is to produce fruit. So what's the spiritual significance for us in understanding these things about a garden? Well, let's look at God's design as the gardener. We know that the gardener has to design what that garden is going to be like, what it looks like, how it's organized, what the goal is, what it's going to produce. So in Isaiah 61.3, this is from the Amplified Bible, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament, a garland or diadem of beauty, instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So God wants good things for us as he plants us in his garden. He wants to restore us, give us joy, and also to point other people to the Lord. That our lives aren't just for our own pleasure and comfort, but that our lives point other people to the goodness and the glory of God as we fulfill our purpose, as we fulfill the design that God has for us. You might know Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. So God's plans for us are good. They give us something to look forward to. There's a purpose for your life. Here's another verse from Isaiah 58, 11. This is amplified again. And the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy you in drought and in dry places and make strong your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of buildings that have laid waste for many generations. And you shall be called repairer of the breach, restorer. Of streets to dwell in. So we see that the Lord wants to satisfy us, to make us fruitful, overflowing with life, fully alive, body, soul, and spirit. And that life overflows and influences 
our families, and our culture. Jeremiah 31.12 is a similar idea. Let me read that to you. Their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall not sorrow or languish any more at all. So we've looked a lot. Each podcast I'm talking about, a big theme for me this year has been anticipating and trusting God to restore things that have been broken, to restore aspects of dreams I've had that have not been fulfilled, things that I believe are from God, and to trust him to remove the stones. That's from Isaiah 62. So that there is a highway where we can move forward to go through the gates I talked about in one podcast. So these are the things that God wants to do in order to make us fruitful, full of life, body, soul, and spirit. So we looked a little bit here at God as the gardener, of how he designs a purpose for our life, how he looks out for us and wants us to be fruitful. And now I want to read from the Passion Translation, John chapter 15. And this looks a little bit more at that maintenance aspect of God as our gardener. So I'm going to read sections of this from the Passion Translation and then pause to comment on some of these, these verses. I am a true sprouting vine. That's Jesus talking. And the farmer who tends the vine, the gardener, is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. So I want to make some comments here. So early in my Christian life when I read this passage, well, I understood that spiritual life, eternal life comes from Jesus, our bond with him. But I thought, well, how is that possible that I can't do anything without Jesus? I can do all kinds of things. But then as I started to read the Bible and understand more of how God does things, what I understood these verses to mean is that fruit that has spiritual significance, that's lasting, that's life-giving, that has to be coming from the Spirit of God in me. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. And Galatians chapter 5 and Romans chapter 8 contrast things that come out of the soul versus things that come out of spirit life, life connected to and, and driven by abiding in the Spirit. Now, you may have heard me talk about soul, soul life. That's our own emotions, our own intellect, our own will and determination. And we can live out of that apart from that life union with God, even if we are a person of faith. Or we can allow His Spirit to direct us, to guide us, 
to motivate our decisions, what we do and what we don't do. And this isn't so much a religious list of do's and don'ts, but more the idea that God has a design and God has a purpose. God has a blueprint for every season. And as we follow and stay close to him, allow him to do his pruning and his work in us, where we receive the cleansing water of his word, we're going to be fruitful in terms of what God has designed us to do. We can make our own plans, we can make our own determinations, and maybe we'll be happy with that. But we won't be fulfilling a gr- the greater purpose that God has for our life. And there will be limited eternal value in what we produce. Fruit is also related to our character, and that we see that in Galatians 5, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. I hope I remembered those correctly. You can look those up in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. And fruit is also related to using our spiritual gifts to impact the kingdom, to glorify God and draw other people to him. So let me read a little bit again from John chapter 15, again back in the Passion Translation. If you live in life union with me, that's Jesus, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Again, we see that as we allow God to cultivate our character, we point people to the Lord and not to ourselves and that it makes for our prayers to be more effective, that our lives please God. And then Jesus says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So we see that as we allow God to cultivate us, that we experience more of his presence. As we obey him, we are able to draw on his joy. And it says in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It increases our capacity to love God and to love other people and to accept ourselves. So the Lord knows what we need even better than we know or think we know what we need. So how can we be more fruitful? What makes us fruitful? I'm going to read Psalm 1 from the Passion Translation. What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. We're going to stand out from the culture. His pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am, meditating day and night in the true revelation of light. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of his life. So we see that obeying and meditating 
and leaning in, allowing God's word to nourish us, give us light, give us revelation, helps us to be fruitful in every season of life. Every season has its purpose. And so we can be living out God's design for us, which will give us joy and will allow us to influence other people in a positive way. I already read to you from John 15, a similar idea about this union with the vine, Jesus, and allowing God to cultivate our character. This is John 14, 21 from the Passion Translation. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. So this isn't talking about sexual passion. It's talking about this hunger and thirst for a deep, meaningful connection with our Lord Jesus Christ. That this isn't an intellectual faith. This isn't adherence to a cold, dead doctrine. There is truth in God's word, but we're motivated by that connection to abide closely. And interestingly enough, in the Song of Solomon, gardens represent love. So we see this idea of God as our gardener and love and vital connection all interwoven in this concept of God, who is our gardener, who looks out for us, who protects us, and guides us in the way of life. I want to share one more verse about the practical, and I called this miracle Grow formula in my book, Correcting Distortions in Your View of God. This comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 24 and 25, again the Passion Translation. And this is Jesus talking. Be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. For as you do, more understanding will be given to you. And according to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. For those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation. But those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. So again, it's not about our head knowledge of God. It's about our heart attitude to follow, to seek out, to lean into, to obey, to chew on, to meditate the word of God and try to follow it. And so as we yield to the things that God speaks to us, you can consider that pruning, that there are things that the Lord may show us, illuminate to us, that This needs to change. This is causing some problems. That we can yield to that pruning, which isn't comfortable. Or we can decide, hey, I'll take it from here. I don't need to do that. But when we go our own way, as opposed to yielding to the gardener who loves us and who tenderly cares for us, and we want to hold on to dead things, then it's going to stunt our growth. It may stop it completely. And we may begin even to go backwards. The path of life takes us forward. And again, it isn't always comfortable. There are stones that sometimes God has to remove for us as we go through the gates. And I'm in a little bit of a pruning process myself right now. 
<laughs> so I can speak to this. But it's important that we yield and remember that God loves you. If we know that God loves us and that the dead things he wants to remove from our lives, things that aren't good for us or things that aren't good for us in this season, if we trust that he loves us, it will be easier to yield to his hand. So I want to share some resources with you and then pray a prayer of blessing. So my first three podcasts talk about how to how to really lean into your spiritual life, the first, second, and third podcasts. Also, I did a series about perspectives on suffering and does God send suffering that I posted on January 23rd, January 30th, and February 6th of 2022, if this idea is something that you want to study further. On my YouTube channel, I have several videos that correspond to the concepts today. Advancing Without Baggage, Harnessing the Power of the Spirit, Understanding Personality Needs, and then you also might enjoy Understanding Yourself and Others to understand more of the way that the soul pulls us away sometimes from what God wants to do with us, places where we're out of balance. You can find my books on Amazon, and I am giving away a free digital copy of my devotional book called Suffering, Insights into Faith. If you go to my website and go into the contact form and send me an email, I will send a digital copy to your email. So let me close with a blessing, and this is from Psalm chapter 1. So Lord, I pray for myself and this listener that we would have wisdom to reject the advice that comes from our culture that leads us away from the path of life. Increase our desire and our delight in your word. Increase our desire to meditate on your word, to chew on it in our daytime hours and when we get ready to sleep at night. Lord, we thank you that you plant us by streams of water, that you give us life. You make us fully alive in Jesus Christ body, soul, and spirit, that you cause us to succeed in your plans and that your plans for us are good. So we thank you, Lord, that you love us. Help us continue to yield to you as you water us with your word and cultivate our character. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Dr. Tony Cooper, and this is Life Without Baggage. Thanks for listening. If this helped you, share it with a friend.